This show is about nothing and everything at the same time. We are a diverse group with our own ideas and experiences, which in no way is meant to represent an absolute truth. We know nothing. The three of us have our own biases, experiences, and are just looking to pursue deeper understanding. We're bound to make mistakes in our pursuit of shared wisdom. You're invited to learn along with us. Psych war, 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 psych war. So today we are talking about mad love. It is this is our Valentine's Day episode. Today is Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this on its release day, uh, 2021, uh, there are all kinds of COVID babies marinating right now, and we just wanted to talk about this idea of Harley Quinn and Joker and their COVID baby of mad love, right? And so uh, we're going to explore that, and then we're going to explore the psychology of the two and the relationship. And we had a relationship episode earlier this month. You should check that out if you have yet to. Uh, We also had a live show. We hope you enjoyed that. Well, first off, I don't think I've ever heard the term like marinated in. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it does sound right, though. Yeah, they're marinating in that amniotic, (laughs) amniotic fluid. I got corrected the other day. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard of, you know, like bun in the oven, but you don't marinate in the oven. You, okay. mar- you let it sit, right? You simmer <laughs> it, right? It's like. <laughs> That's just so wrong. Uh, especially since what is it? The recent news about um, what's his name being a, a possible cannibal. I love him as an actor also. Who? Uh, oh, gosh. There's a, like a person that actually is a cannibal, like a real cannibal. Well, that's funny because my son, my son asked me the other day, he goes, what's a cannibal? And yeah. so he must have like heard this somehow. Yeah. And it's- I go, a cannibal. And I was like, that's somebody who eats other people. And he's like, he's like I want to do that. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, it's it's bad for you. It's not good. Like, well, like, so my the, the little one was like, went into a school thing about like show and tell for kindergarten class. And she was talking about how she plays among us and she's the person that wants to be the per the the person that kills people like i'm the i'm the, like she's like i'm the what's the word for it the and assassin. Among us. huh the assassin yeah what but they it? call it something else oh uh, the imposter a, the imposter, imposter yeah so my kids like, are playing like, this shit this should be our episode i don't know yeah. like what is it <laughs> yeah this among she's us like the, she's like the imposter right so she's like oh I'm, so i'm the imposter and i'm like I'm going around and I'm murdering people. And like, she's telling this to her kindergarten teacher at school. And then she's like, oh, no, 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 no. So, okay, uh, okay, that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Let somebody else talk. Because <laughs> like, uh, like she's super into uh, into Among Us on the Switch. So she's been really into it. And she's always mad because she gets kicked off because she can't read. So she's always playing, but she can't really read what's on there. So she said, they're always kicking me off. And like I don't understand why they're always kicking. So she's like, so she's trying. She's like, I need to. She's like, I need to learn how to read. <laughs> they probably think that the fact that she's not responding to anything yeah. is sus. She's guilty. Yeah. So I don't know how to play it, but I'm guessing that's a lot, a lot to do with it. Anyways. Anyways, who, who's the who's the cannibal? Uh, I, I guess apparently Spence's son follows Army Hammer news. Uh, he's like been dropped. He's he's left several projects to spend time with his family, but there have been unverified copies of like Twitter conversations, like private conversations, or um, even I think Instagram conversations also, where he like messaged an ex 
at the time they were dating to say things like, oh, I'm a full on cannibal. Like, I wish I could cut off one of your toes and keep it in my pocket with me always. Um, his ex also reported that like whenever she would accidentally like, cut herself, he would like he would go out of his way to try to like suck up the blood. Uh, um, so I mean, and it just, seems like, like he's more fascinated by it than an actual cannibal. Maybe. And there's also like some other things that like he might just be really into some dark yeah. type of yeah. things. But um, it's just really weird bedroom talk that's oddly specific about eating body parts. Yeah. Um, but again, none of it has been verified, but it just keeps going around. No, I, th- I think he's probably just fast. It's like a fe- fetish, but I pray he's probably kind of like wanting to be into it or wanting to try it but never had a chance to yet so he's kind of just like exposing that weird part of him to this intimacy like people you know so it's almost like a witch list that he's yet to dabble into is what it seems like from that perspective because nobody just out front says stuff like that you some more like you if you were an actual one you don't talk about it so you know you don't like say it like i am a full-on cannibal just seems a little bit too on like right on on the nose on yeah like usually somebody else would skirt around it if they're like really into that you know or really were it just seems like he's fantasizing about it more so than actually doing it you know from what i think what do you think what do you he think doesn't want to be identified as the imposter Uh-oh. yeah <laughs> Well, right. I guess this could be a lead-in because um, other well, other commentary about Army Hammer is that he is very manipulative in um, a relationship. Uh, one of his other ex have mentioned that you know he basically makes you feel like you're really needed, makes you feel loved, and then uses you, and you don't realize he's using you. Uh, So I guess that leads into our psych ward evaluation of Harley Quinn, um, also known as Harleen Quinzel. Her first appearance was in Batman the Animated Series, um, where we are introduced to her as the former psychiatric doctor in Arkham Asylum. Um, She eventually is assigned to the Joker uh, and falls madly in love with him and actually ends up helping him escape and then becoming his sidekick, Harley Quinn. Obviously, Harley Quinn is kind of one of those really good characters designed really well um, by Bruce Tim. Like, it kind of just was on a hit to begin with and her voice and everything else just would really create that character is very iconic. I know that she kind of went there and talked with the Joker and then like, so what is like the actual the connection between it is it something like a serial killer where you're just fascinated by it or are we looking at the possibility for just wanting to help him by kind of thing or change him or but then obviously she kind of goes down that road of being changed by it herself right right so if you go off of the graphic novel mad love itself and you know it, that's was released quite a while ago and i'm sure dc has probably retconned a bunch of things um but in that original storyline, uh, they portray Harley actually as someone who kind of manipulates her way into success. She cheats through um, medical school. She also like makes money doing like tell-all books about you know famous people um, to try to make a buck. So she eventually 
gets to Arkham Asylum um, and she sees the Joker and is immediately warned like, hey, like you're not going to get any information from this guy. Don't think that he's going to be your next meal ticket. Uh, and so after a lot of begging, she finally gets to work one-on-one -on -one with the Joker with the intent of, hey, I'm going to get some info from this guy. I'm going to write a book. Um, but then he immediately surprises her by the very first thing he does is talk about his abusive past with his father. And then she starts to feel like his only confidant that this, this man is not only broken, he's been through so much pain that he's just a victim of abuse and a victim of society. And I'm the only one that understands him. I'm the only one that trusts him. So it ends up becoming like what we talked about before on the relationship episode, where we're looking at the, like the Florence Nightingale, right? Concept of caring for someone to the point where you end up kind of looking at it from the perspective of falling in love with the person where you're the only person that could care for this person because they're so fragile and delicate. And I'm the only one that can bring them back to their former glory. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And there are possibly not people to this extreme, but there are definitely people out there who want to feel needed, who tend to be attracted to people who are broken because they want to be dependent on, they want to feel important, they want to feel needed. Um, there is a moment actually in Mad Love where uh, Batman tries to break through to her to say, so what did he tell you? Did he tell you about his father? Which where did they go? Did they go to the ice rink? And basically saying that, like, you're not the first person he's made this story to. In fact, he's recycled mm -hmm. this story. And all he does is change, like, change a few details. A yeah. So, so like, so when we look at the, the relationship in general, what makes the, the relationship super iconic, I guess, is the fact that they're always together, but there's the, the never-ending abuse that goes along with this, right? Because essentially, the, we're looking at the Joker just using her as a tool and versus actually he doesn't see her much as anything other than just something he at his disposal like a tool like a tool like a toolbox and he's she's one of the like a hammer inside of it kind of thing where she like she's useful and he uses that to his advantage almost the entire relationship from um mad love all the way up to currently right the to like the, where we're at currently right so um to the point where they, they obviously started shifting her to a different perspective. But I think like up until that point before her popularity in the Suicide Squad, her, her initially was she was just a helper and one of his best tools. If that makes any sense, I guess. Yeah. And the interesting thing about Suicide Squad is that, you know, Harley Quinn has always been popular, but I think her popularity skyrocketed from that movie. And it was very clear in that movie that, you know, she was being used, but she was just blindly in love with the Joker. And it got to the point where people were making posts about their relationship and romanticizing it. And it got to the point where, you know, others were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's step back for a second here. Like, you really don't want a relationship like this. Like, we should not be putting this couple on a pedestal. Yes, because they ended up being so popular with uh, with pop culture that people were trying to kind of recreate this um, 
this this illusion of what that relationship really was. Um, because they well on the big screen they really didn't look into it like that, right? The big screen, like the Suicide Squad portrayed it as she was captured and he's and he's doing everything in his power to save her, right? So from that perspective, it does look like that without people looking into the 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 abuse that was in the animated series or even in the comic book that was um, drawn by Bruce Tim. In the comics, it was per they 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 drew it to, and wrote it. It was super abusive where she he was actually just full on like beating her and doing all kinds of stuff in this animated style and still to this day it's kind of a it's kind of a hard book to look at um even though with the whimsical style and everything else yeah it's um, especially hard if you but, grew up watching batman the animated series to see that which i mean batman the animated series isn't necessarily like a purely children's cartoon but it's still like pg and then to go to a graphic novel where you see the Joker physically abusing Harley Quinn, throwing her out on the streets. Um, yeah. Did he throw her through a window too? He threw so. her out the window in a multi-story building <laughs> and like, yeah, would have yeah. killed a normal person. Right. Right. So, and then, and then like, then we like look at that relationship and then, and then, and we look at other relationships. What is it like? What you, so what we where we're looking at, Tao? What I wanted to ask you is when you looked at these this kind of behavior with um, when you look at women that are actually sending letters to certain people in jail that are obviously either serial killers or really terrible people, and then finding a fixation with them where they're wanting to like um, be uh, like devoting their love to them but also like looking for marriage and also with these terrible terrible people and it kind of coincides with how harley sees the joker at um from i guess the beginning on to where they're at now or where she was at that time during um her career yeah we often think of uh comic books as being separated from reality you know you have aliens you have superhuman strength you have people who can fly um but, you know, when thinking about Harley Quinn and the Joker, the first thing that comes to mind are often these, I guess you could call them groupies that tend to fall in love with famous serial killers and criminals. You often hear stories of people who, um, like Jeffrey Dahmer, who murdered and mutilated many men and boys, receiving love letters and gifts while uh, he was in prison. Um, there was a recent Netflix uh, film called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile starring Zac Efron, uh, where he portrays uh, Ted Bundy. And in there, you know, it covers his early relationships. And then it also follows his eventual relationship and marriage to one of his fans who writes to him when he's in prison, gets married to him while he's in prison. And, you know, this is something that you actually see in real life, you know, subtract the supervillain aspect. There are people who go out there and are extremely attracted to evil, vile people. So when we look at like someone like Joker, obviously he's probably inspired by some of these people as well. Later renditions of his psyche kind of develop as we kind of grow with, with, with him, right? At the beginning, he was more of just kind of a joke character that went around just robbing banks and just thinking was funny. And then they start tying in more psychology to him um, 
as as he kind of goes grows in society and i think that like a lot of those those people probably were taking inspiration from these other people as well right and then the, and then also the women that fall in love with these types of people which kind of shows um because like when you look at joker in general right we like you look at his psyche it's and then i remember you shared this picture with me where he showed like somebody in a comic book portrayed the joker as being against Nazis, like Joker's like, I'm not like, I'm totally not into Nazis. Like, I'm American and I hate Nazis. Right. And then you, you showed that to me and I was like, well, yeah, Joker is like, from his perspective, like chaos doesn't have a theme. There's no, like, there's no thing about chaos that basically says I'm doing this for this. No, like from his perspective, chaos is just purely chaos. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And I feel like that's why like when it comes down to certain things like that, yeah, he definitely is against it. He would just he would he would blow them up and everybody else along with it, right? Because there's no agenda to it. It's just purely, simply, just wanting to see everything be just uh, destroyed. And and I think that's kind of like one of the most chaotic persons. And that's why he when when as a villain, he's the most terrifying. And then he's all because there's really no agenda with him, right? And um, and then his his relationship with Batman, which is also very weird, and it's also got really weird um. I don't really, I don't know if it's been weird from the very beginning or it eventually got weird. And I, I don't know where that pinpointed in that relationship where he seemed that where he had like some kind of infatuation with him. Cause I know in Frank Miller's right. They showed a lot of that and dark Knight, the dark Knight and dark Knight returns where he like the Joker was actually kind of comatose until he saw that the batman was back and then he started doing stuff again so it kind of like sparks some kind of um, passion inside of him where it makes him want to be doing something um but without the batman he just doesn't care anymore right so then and then to kind of show the same thing with the heath ledger version where he's to be chased by him but he also knows that batman's never gonna cross the line and end him he's a terrible person but nobody's willing to kill him <laughs> so and then he kind of and he kind of really enjoys that part of it right that they're never gonna they're never gonna end his life so he can continue to do all these things that he finds entertaining to himself i guess what do you well, think Spence? i mean just as you're t- talking there's lots of thoughts right that he is fed and he's like thrives off of this blind rage and then there's this idea that he's enabled by the the goodness of his uh of batman to like not end him right like that he he puts him in arkham asylum and then he i mean ultimately there's those moments where like yeah like harley quinn lets him out which made me think as we were initially thinking that like that idea of especially as it just came out recently nurse nurse ratchet right like trying to get her her own brother out of um the asylum uh and and just the the trauma that she's trying to that she is trying to save him from right like that that alcoholic father and like her identifying batman as the one that can save them and bring them closer together um and he's just you're right he's just using her right so he's um kind of uh just lighting all the wicks and to try to see which one uh, blows up and, and like in the cleanest, cleanest carcass of cat of Batman that there can be. Right. Um, and there, I mean, yeah, I, it's, it's a psychology where, yeah, like there's a lot of um, abusive relationships in the world. And this is, this is, we have a, a guy who's kicking, like kicking her out of windows. Right. And taunting her and belittling her and ultimately um, not, uh 
caring for her the way you would want in a relationship. So it's it like her psychology. It's like, why is she okay with that? Right? Like, why is she as we look at her psychology? What what makes it okay for Joker to treat her this way? Right? Well, it makes it okay for her to think that she needs it. Her wanting to stay is like wanting to see him not treat her that way. Right? And I'm not like, obviously, I'm, I've been um thinking about it a little bit so like the being in that kind of situation toxic relationship but i'm guessing everybody has been in at one point like what makes her stay in that situation was it going to make it like think that eventually he's going to see her for how useful she is and he's going to treat her better or you know kind of thing and all these other are he's going to see the usefulness or if i go away for a while and he realizes that he can't do without me he's going to love me more and um or notice me more than he notices batman right and then all these other things and competing with batman on a level where you're trying to be that shine in the joker's eyes but he's never going to actually see it and um and, and and then we go forward, like seeing that that's like uh, that relationship is obviously just like you need to be away from it and don't get stuck in it because it ends up being a cycle. But I think from what I see in real life, it's it's hard to see that when you're in it. Right. Because all of us can look at a relationship from an outside perspective and immediately say, hey, just don't hang out with that person anymore. That person's obviously the problem. Like we look at it, I'm looking at it from a really, really open place and that person's a problem, right? So like, for instance, um, if we look at like best friends, right? You look at best friends from childhood and one has always kind of been like, uh, like kind of the instigator, the one that's more like willing to try things, do things. And you've got, you've gotten in trouble together. You've done all these things together and all this stuff. And then eventually you still like you grow older and one starts maturing and then like realizes like the other one doesn't the one that was more um rebellious ends up still being that way and then as they get older they end up like that person ends up being a problem then we can look at this the same way as siblings right and then eventually you're realizing that like you can tell this person you need to stop hanging out with that person the person's bad for you you're always getting in trouble you're always it's costing you tons of time energy money is causing your your family all kinds of problems it's causing all this stuff but you can't because of all those things that you've spent all this investment time with these this person or they're blood related that you're unable to just cut it off even though you you need to in order to like move on with your life and um so it's easier said than done i think and that's like when you're in it it's really hard to see or like or you're not able to do it because of the history involved in it i don't know if that makes sense how what do you think a lot of it does come from insecurity and this like need to be wanted so when i was trying to do some research about this um trying to see if there was you know anything about not necessarily harley quinn but just in real life these women who who seek out men um who are convicted in prison and why they do that and i came across um a book written by what is her name uh, written by laura woolett it's called the love of a bad man uh, it's actually uh, a collection of historical fiction short stories um, but what she did was she went and she did some research on the lovers of very famous uh notorious bad men in history everywhere anywhere from you know bonnie and clyde hitler to jim jones of the jonestown massacre 
and she gathered as much information as she could about their lovers. Um, any sort of interviews, short stories, um, just to see and piece together what their life was like. And then she then formulated uh, fictional short stories to kind of give some insight of what might have been going through their heads while they were with these men. And uh, there was an interview with her asking, you know, during her research, if she found any common threads between all the women that she researched. And she said that if there's one thing that was common to all of these women, it was probably insecurity and a willingness to have their self of uh, their sense of self determined by the men they are involved with. I think insecurity is a very human thing, though. You'd be hard pressed to find a person who isn't insecure in some way or how who hasn't been at some stage in their life. Uh, she then goes on to talk about, you know, in general, women especially have a lot of insecurities and are less solid in their sense of self. And, you know, it makes me think of also that I can see that because thinking about my, my own relationship, I get so annoyed because um, my boyfriend is does not give out compliments like at all very often, at least not to me, like uh, the highest compliment he could probably give me is like, it's all right when it comes to like me asking like, does this look okay? Or like, how's the dinner I cooked? Like, he'll just say, it's all right. Um, and so like thinking these women and let's say they had a piece of pass or maybe they were insecure about their looks, maybe they were bullied growing up. And then look at these men who are vilified by the rest of the world. No one likes them or supposedly no one likes them. And so here you are as their one and only, the only one that can understand them, the only one that's there for them. You are trying to be the center of their world when inadvertently they become the center of yours. Uh, and I think that is where a lot of this comes from is that it makes it obvious when someone is isolated and vilified who is supposed to be the most important one for them, right? I think you kind of hit it right on the point of what, what, where she is, right? Harley Quinn, I think, just falls into that insecurity and then like lives her life based on what it represents. And I think they tried to hit that really well in the Birds of Prey movie, right? So when you go that forward, you can see that um, Joker leaves and then it kind of portrays the fact that she feels useless because she's no longer in the relationship because she defined her personality based on that relationship with the Joker. And when it was no longer a thing, you can see that she kind of didn't know what to do. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, th I think looking at that, I think you kind of hit it right on the, on the thing. So what, what was her thing after and what they're what they're trying to do with Harley now, because like like from from what I can see and from my perspective, is it right? Like when we looked at the success of Har Harley Quinn coming out of Suicide Squad, right? So you got a lot of people saying this is a bad idea, and then the, the, not only that, but the issue was so many little girls were really into this character, right? They were just really into the look, to to like who she was and everything else that she became overnight like uh, really popular with younger audience, which forced the marketing department of DC to try to market her in a different direction than where she was. So now we're seeing this whole point of where, where Harley Quinn is going now from the mad love from the very beginning of her um, relationship with the Joker and where she, where they're head, where, where they're kind of steering her towards now. There's also that piece where just in society, uh, 
domestic violence is just in, in American society, domestic violence is this is a really big thing. Even today, as we're recording this, right, um, January twenty eighth, the Seattle Seahawks had a lineman who uh, was arrested for uh, choking his girlfriend. Uh, and then she regained consciousness, chokes her again. And then there was, I mean, I've read one report that had a comment like, oh, like he was surprised. He like made this comment like, wow, you're alive. Right. Like that, the disgusting like nature of that. I mean, um, and, and of course, like they release him. But to have individuals that if he was like a prolific player on their team, would he be released? I mean, Antonio Brown has uh domestic violence issues and he's set to play in the super bowl in a couple weeks potentially if he's if he's healthy right um individuals in our society if they can offer i think yeah yeah, really true like Like, i mean anywhere in the world if there is somebody they it's just overlooked right Um, it's it's in all society but spencer just had to find a way to bring sports into this conversation it's disgusting i mean really i mean it's just it's 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 disgusting but it's that same it's that same nature and then i was gonna say yeah like she's with this guy and then it pivots to what you're talking to where she it changes her relationship she's like it's not a relationship between a man and a woman it's a relationship between a woman and a woman right like that didn't work out so uh she doesn't really have Harley doesn't really have this direction that she's heading. She's just looking for uh, validation and and uh, and like you said, just um, value. And she didn't find it there. And I mean, everybody's looking for value and connection, and so she finds it with Ivy, right? So I'll just I'll lay that. That's a little alley oop for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they've also like well, and then the, the relationship with Ivy, right? It's like friends for so long. They they've been like since the very beginning. They've been always it's always been a part of her her persona to have these other women around that are always been like uh, somewhat villains, somewhat anti-heroes to, to that aspect and always kind of been there as somebody there. So you can see back to our relationship episode. If you work together, it's most likely easiest to find a relationship in that, in that situation. Right. So, and if you're going to be a villain together, it's going to make you closer. Um, but, you know, but the kind of just touch on what like Spence said about like society in general, we can look back to the bit to like the Coliseum to like, to like Cleopatra to any of them to kind of looking at the idea of where you can look at um, people being, you can look blind eye to the fact that like, being abusive to a woman wasn't like you never got in trouble for it and from the from the men's perspective especially if you were somebody that was really high up in rank right you can just it wasn't a thing oh lebron did this okay but he still got to play in the nba right you can look at that in the same thing in high school you can see like from high school's perspective you can see a high schooler do something stupid but but he needs to play or we're not gonna make the like we're not gonna make whatever what do they do um they change all state or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know kind of thing yeah so like but then you can see how they've always done that and football is infamous for almost being the worst in that kind of situation because like the harder you hit and the more aggressive you are the more useful you are to us right and i think then that that kind of and i'm i can see the same kind of situation with mma fighters super aggro super and they're always wanting to beat things up and do something sometimes it falls on the the women they're with and they have no control of themselves because that's what that's what that sport is and that's what football is too right so you're looking at a lot of the, those two in general being kind of highly um, profitable because of their aggression. 
and actually almost more so uh, champion to have more aggression, which makes it more dangerous, especially for um, your significant other, right? The popularity of Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad, and obviously anyone who is paying attention to relationship dynamics and maybe even the higher-ups in WB realize, oh, this is kind of bad. Um, we don't want to be the company that promotes uh, physical abuse in relationship and domestic violence. Uh, and so they've been kind of pivoting away from Harley and the Joker. Um, and they've been moving towards pairing Harley with Ivy. And this is something that has been like a fan favorite pairing in the past. I think part of it comes from um, one of the episodes actually from Batman, the animated series where uh, Harley and Ivy have like a girl's date, like a friendly one. They go out shopping and, you know, do some crimes together. And it was interesting because you never see Harley with anyone other than the Joker. And then Ivy hates humans like she just doesn't like them because they harm the planet they harm her, her precious plant babies and she's not okay with it so you hear you see two people who have really great chemistry together and so you know now we're seeing them being pushed more in tv shows um because of the popularity with with Harley Quinn, they're trying to make her more of an anti-hero and less of a psychotic sidekick with uh, to the Joker. Um, and, you know, a few things, uh, they have a relationship and like an on and off sexual tension relationship in the latest like Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, but they also most uh, notably actually tied the knot together in the Injustice Year Zero comic. They went off to Vegas and got married. Um, and the interesting thing about that is there was an instance where there was a very serious uh, a incident of abuse between um, Joker and Harley. And, you know, she immediately left after that. She said, I can't do this. Um, and she had a note by her that said uh, something like, uh, in the case of sanity, use this and it was a note that basically said like oh you finally woken up from this haze of being in love with the joker you finally are sane enough to realize something's wrong get out and the first thing she does is she breaks ivy out of prison um and they go off together and you know ivy is there saying like why don't you come to me like we, we are great together we're perfect together um we both have you know our own issues but we can work on it together and harley is just like you know that no matter what i'm always going to end up going back to him um i'm going to lose this clarity this sanity and i will go back to him um and ivy's obviously disappointed uh but it's interesting in that harley says to ivy multiple times when this comes up is like, you could just tell me, you could order me not to go back to him. And Ivy says, So she exactly. needs to be told what to do, right? She needs somebody to actually pull the strings and actually control her, which, yeah. Yeah, so and of I, course I, Ivy I, says no. Yeah. And uh, Harley so. then goes back to Joker. <laughs> I think these characters are done so well. I think that's what makes Batman's whole rogues gallery and Batman in general so uh, such, a, such an iconic... Um, 
family of characters because of all their family issues from the hero side to the villain side and how real they are to real for real life situations right even on the lower scales these all kind of like reminisce to real life situations and relationships and also being in a toxic one and not being able to leave it and then or going back to it like like whenever we're out we want to go back to it like it's like it's like it's like it's like an addiction right spence when you look at it where you're like oh like i quit smoking but then yeah kind of didn't quit smoking right like you always go back to it like pulls you back and then you because you want to be back there but once you're there you're like i can't do this i'm out but then you go back to it again um and that 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 cigarette could be kind of like as a person like a a person and that's obviously bad for you but for some reason it's just attractive and want to go back as much as you can it's those neural pathways. Whenever it gives the opportunity, neural pathways, yeah. which they're not going to get into in a, in a like the series, <laughs> right? But um, I mean, if it, an individual is in that situation, it's like you really have to rewire your brain to uh, to counter those hormones that are released. That like this feels good, yeah, it sucks at times, right? Like that manic state, um, but it, it feels so good. It's like it's it's visceral. Uh, that energy it's it's dangerous to to play both sides of that fence right because on the other side is death and so there's this uh, i mean harley's i mean of course she's not going to die necessarily but being kicked out of a multi-story window or um being just being a disposable piece to joker's plan is is never going to be in her best interest. And then I feel like if she find, if he actually showed her the like the compassion and the love that she's looking for, then I, I'm pretty sure she would not that, want that it too. Right. So like you look at that like that society of it, like you like that side of it is when if she actually got what she well, wanted, so, so would it's, she actually it's codependent, want that right? Like it's that it's a thick codependent relationship. Right. Which I mean, that's the thought that came in my mind earlier and just, just popped back in. But it's just it's it's the necessity to have that partner to to just to have that partner that like it just gets into those uh grooves of doing the things that you don't want to do but you want to do them right like uh it it sucks and a a lot of people stick in that place for their whole life and i was just thinking also that the codependency doesn't end with ivy they are very much codependent um upon each other and you know, Ivy serves that purpose of giving, making Harley her one and only, right? Because even Ivy is also a very solitary person. So by being the partner of Ivy, you she is once again putting herself in a position where she is the one and only on a pedestal, the only person that Ivy can depend on. So it's still not quite a healthy relationship. But the difference with Ivy is that, you know, there isn't right. that extra layer of abuse, that they're they're both depending on each other, whereas Joker doesn't really depend on Harley. Yeah, like because if you look at Ivy's perspective, right, you're gonna look at it from she kind of they, they she feels a connection there. They both kind of feel it, but she also wants to make her better, right? It's like where she thinks for herself and does all these things, and then um, but then like we look down that road again. If if Harley was all the things she's trying to fix her into, would would Ivy even find her to be like that same person? Like you're changing that person. And then maybe that person is not the person you want anymore. And I think that kind of always ends up like if you look at the Nightingale thing, like 
like you can see that sometimes when you, you, you fell in love with them because you're caring for them. And then afterwards, when they're healthy, you're like, I don't like anything about this person. Right. Cause like the, the, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole heart was in the, the caring. Right. And when you don't have to care for them anymore, is there anything still there? Cause that was really holding all of the, all the, all the money was in that one thing. And then once it like, once it was gone then you're really getting to know the person you're like, Oh, I don't like this person at all. Right. So you look at these characters, there's all these different elements to it. Like obviously Ivy is a better, a better relationship, but I think there's always going to be this um, for this character, Harley Quinn is always going to be this thing with the Joker, right? It's always going to be, this thing that she goes back to no matter what it could be like oh i'm a hero forever and then all of a sudden she'll have a relapse and go backwards and then there'll be a whole thing especially especially for storytelling aspect it's it's, it's gonna always be defined by the joker her her she will always be defined by it, right there's no way of getting out of that shadow of being yeah i mean it's a universal rule for comics right it, no character stays dead um <laughs> and relationships they form they break and then they reform it's an endless cycle right right so like because if you like go down that road you see catwoman batman right you can also go into that same relationship probably another time but it's basically the same thing the run the chase and the the bee chase and all the other stuff and you can see the the all the differences between that relationship as well and and how like messed up Batman is in general <laughs> you know um but no, that's why I find all, all these things uh, fascinating, especially with Harley. And then, what, so what are you guys' final thoughts on on the two characters of uh, Joker and Harley Quinn? Obviously, heavily more so on Harley Quinn. I, I always like the Lego Batman version of the two of them, right? You have Harley kind of just laying out in a very like manipulative way, uh, getting Joker exactly what he needs and wants, right? So you get he gets to go to the ultimate prison, right? Where everybody that actually matters goes. Uh, Sauron's there. And, uh, <laughs> and so Everybody's he's like, there, why right? am I not yeah, there, everybody right? that's um, And so, but you, she, again, like pulling it back, Harley is this is, is broken in the sense that she is, she wants to serve, right? She wants to serve. She wants to feel valuable. She, I, I mean, like, I don't know her childhood, but it, it just depicts that, like, one that that woman um, that just is trying to carry her man over the hump, right? And just, oh, he'll be better. And it's just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in this situation. It doesn't work in real life. I mean, we're talking like, it, when you were saying, uh, like, she's just going to be stuck there. In real life, people, um, if you have a situation that you're in, uh, escape, right? Because it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't get better. Um, and that's the the truth of the matter. So that would be my final thought is if... But it's like, but that's just like her, right? Like in the comic book world, like they're like, I'm telling you now, no matter how like much of a hero you make her, um, the comic's going to relapse back. And then that, because that's good storytelling. <laughs> and then, so like, if you're in a bad relationship and you think it's gotten better, it's not going to get better. That's it's yeah. like, the, it's just a bad, it's a bad bet, right? And even for Harley, it's always going to be this defining thing. The Joker is going to be there always. And she's always going to have an attachment, always go back to it. And regardless of what they do to her, it's just like it's in an infinite circle, right? <laughs> and I think that's, uh, that's, uh, like one of the main thoughts. And if you look back at what you said at the beginning, Tal, with her, with her, 
um, trying so hard to find her place in the world by doing the writing the books, doing all the stuff, all the hustling and all the other things. And then then she thought she found it in this. And then now she can't. Now it's just like she's stuck there. Right. Um, and it's, it's just never going to go anywhere. She might come out and then go back. Yeah, I think, you know, in studying Harley, you definitely see that she is a person who measures her own value based off of how others see her, in particular the Joker, um, and how valuable that she can be to others. Um, and again, I think this really comes down to a insecurity and self-esteem issue. And if it says anything about relationships and about human beings is that, you know, before you commit yourself to someone else, you need to make sure that you, um, that you will have committed yourself to yourself. Yeah. Uh, that (laughs) you understand your own value, that you have taken care of yourself first because relationships are partnerships. Um, but partnerships should be built equally. One person should not be giving all of themselves to the other. Um, You should still be able to maintain a sense of self while also being in a caring relationship. Um, And I think that, you know, in lieu of a uh, usual offering, this might be nice to instead um, remind people of the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which uh, unfortunately, the number of domestic abuse incidences have increased because of COVID. Uh, because yes, um, many people are stuck with their abusers. So um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is a resource for anyone who uh, is in an abusive relationship. And if you aren't certain if you are, um, they do have resources to help you identify whether or not you're situation might constitute as abuse. They have a free hotline. It's uh, 800-799-SAFE. You can call that um, or you could also visit their website. Continue to learn from your experiences and explore beyond your boundaries. Music by Quest Eons. Produced by DJ Crumb, production by 